Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Big Town called The Deadly Summons. It first aired on March 22nd, 1949. Extra Big Town, hero about it, player gets deadly summoned. Extra Big Town, Extra. Goodbye, Craig. I'll be back in an hour. And I don't want to find you in the... <laughs> Miss Kilburn of the Illustrated Press Yes, who's calling? I want you and your editor, Steve Wilson, to witness a summons What kind of summons? Thou hast all seasons for thine own, O death Yes, listen to this strange and exciting big town story of a nearly perfect crime Brought to you by Lever Brothers Company, makers of Life Boy Health Soap Another headline story of fighting editor Steve Wilson on the Illustrated Press, whose newspaper creed stands for freedom and justice against the forces of intolerance and evil. The power and the freedom of the press is a flaming sword, that it may be a faithful servant of all the people, use it justly, hold it high, guard it well. Now, Big Town and Steve Wilson's strange and gripping story... Of the deadly summons. So live that when thy summons comes. Such is the poetic admonition behind tonight's headline story of murder that began as young Whit Blake returned home from the funeral of his mother to confront his stepfather, Gregory Kane, with the terrible suspicions of murder. So you're still here in my mother's house, are you, Kane? How could I leave? Confined to this chair for the rest of my life. I wonder if you really are. Now, now, my boy. I know your mother's death has been a terrible shock. Wait, uh, come here, son. Don't call me son. I'm no son of yours. All right, all right. But I am now your guardian. We are bound together by the terms of your mother's will. And we might as well make the best of it. Couldn't you have waited a few days to go into that? Life must go on. The play must go on. We are but actors. Shut up, you hammy Hamlet. I was your mother's leading man. That was the one horrible mistake in her life. The mistake that cost her her life. Poetic fancy, my boy. I am not your boy. No flesh of your blood, no part of your warped and twisted mind. No, but a boy, nevertheless. A boy trying to live up to your namesakes, Whittier and Blake. Ha! A boy living in an unreal world of poetry, fancy, and music. Yes. And suspicion. Suspicion. Keep away from that electric organ. Why? Are you afraid the sweet, gentle ghost of my mother will come back from her chamber in the silent halls of death? Can't you speak without stealing, plagiarizing the words of your infernal poets? They are to be quoted, not to yellow in uncut pages or gathered dust, not to die as we must die. Stop talking about death. Stop playing that organ or I'll smash it with his cane. Oh, yes, that loaded cane. It's heavy enough to kill a man... Or a woman. Why do you keep it near you always when you say you can't get out of that chair? Even to go to pay your last respects to my mother, who gave you everything in life and half of all she had in death. You're crazy. I was afraid the shock would be too much for your milk and water poetic mind. Now stop it or I'll have you put away. Where? 
Where, my dear stepfather? Committed to an asylum. You're insane. Perhaps. Who knows? Is it better to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous oh, fortune? Rot. Or by opposing end them? To sleep? To die? Perchance to dream? Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? Stop it, wit, stop it, I tell you. Tell me, as an actor, how did you play Hamlet, my dear stepfather? Feigning madness or really mad? Shut up. Get out of this house and stay out or I'll have you committed tomorrow. No. Because I have a strange feeling there isn't going to be any tomorrow for one or perhaps both of us. Don't you threaten me. Get out or I'll ring for the servants and have you thrown out. Go ahead and ring. There are no servants in the house. What's that? You heard me. I gave them the night off. I wanted to be alone with you, my dear stepfather. Stop that playing. Get out of here. I'll brain you with this cane. Be careful. Don't get out of that chair or you'll betray your guilt. You know I can't get out of this chair. The doctors cleared me of any suspicion in your mother's death. Oh, yes. But there are more things on earth than a dreamed of in doctor's testimony, to paraphrase Mr. Shakespeare, or Bacon, if you wish. Stop that. Stop quoting. Stop playing or so help me. Yes, so help you. For now the stage is set. And we must have an audience, an impartial observer, to measure the madness that crouches in the shadows of this room like a hungry beast. What do you think you're going to do? I'm going to phone a newspaper woman I met at Mother's funeral to come and witness a deadliest summons from the grave for one of us. Hi, Steve. You got a minute? Always for you, my lovely. Come in. Thanks. Where have you been? I've been to a funeral and digging in our morgue file on the deceased... Whose funeral, and what did you find? The rather surprising death of one of our first ladies of the theater. Oh, Elizabeth Blake, oh yes. Fell down a flight of stairs in her townhouse. Uh-huh, and that strikes me as rather odd. How so, Lorelai? Lots of people are killed by accidental falls. But Elizabeth Blake was an actress, trained, if necessary, to fall down flights of stairs without hurting herself. Well, acting and actuality aren't always the same, Lorelai. What else has aroused your repertorial suspicion? What her son Whittier Blake said as he knelt beside his mother's grave. What did he say? He quoted from one of Shakespeare's plays, Hamlet, I think, said, Murder will out, though it hath no tongue to speak. Murder? Yes. But there was no suspicion of foul play, Lorelei. Not even a coroner's inquest. I know, Steve, and the boy looked rather wild and haggard and acted a little crazy when I tried to question him later. What did he say? Well, he just flung quotations at me about retribution and a summons from the grave. Well, what did you get out of the morgue file? Plenty of stuff about his mother's stage career, but not much about her private life since her second marriage to an ex-actor named Gregory Kane. Gregory Kane? Was he at the funeral? No, no, Steve. He's paralyzed. He stayed at the family townhouse. Young Blake hates him, and I think there's going to be more to this now that Kane will be his guardian. Well, it might be worth looking into following up. Young Blake said I might have a chance soon. Yeah, just a minute. Steve Wilson, Illustrated Press. Good evening, Mr. Wilson. I'm told by your operator that a certain young lady, a reporter by the name of Lorelei Kilburn, is at present in your office. Yes, she is. Who's calling, please? Simply say, we met at my mother's grave. Oh. 
Uh, just a moment. Well, I... uh, who is it, Steve? It's Whittier's Blake. Oh? You may have a chance to follow up that murder lead sooner than you thought. Golly, yes. Here, take the phone. Thanks. Hello? Are you still curious about my strange behavior at my mother's funeral, Miss Kilburn? More than just curious, Mr. Blake. Good. Could you come to my mother's house immediately, tonight? Yes, I could be there in ten minutes. Why? I want you and your editor, Steve Wilson, to be witnesses. Witnesses to what? A summons, Miss Kilburn. What kind of summons? Leaves have their time to fall, and flowers to wither at the north wind's breath, and stars to set. But all. Thou hast all seasons for thine own, O death. Steve, he hung up. What did you get? Well, an invitation in poetic double talk to witness a summons to be served by death. Good grief. That kind of summons calls for two witnesses. Get your so-called hat, Lorelei. Let's go. Thus, Steve and Lorelei are drawn into a strange and deadly saga of hatred and revenge. And for the exciting developments, we'll return to Big Town in a moment. Life Boy gets skin cleaner. Life Boy gets skin cleaner. And the cleaner you get your skin, the surer you are of being fresh and attractive. So remember, Life Boy, with its purifying ingredient, gets skin cleaner. Stops B.O. as no other leading soap can. Here's what the doctors proved in 820 scientific tests. People took daily baths with different soaps. Doctors found that Life Boy does more than just remove the grime and perspiration you can see. Life Boy's purifying ingredient makes it more effective than any other leading soap against the invisible dirt that brings on B.O. Life Boy's milder, too. Safe even for baby's tender skin. And you'll like the way Life Boy, made with costly coconut oil, bursts into quick white lather, even in hard water. Life Boy gets skin cleaner. Life Boy gets skin cleaner, keeps you fresh and attractive, protects you as no other leading soap can. Bathe with Life Boy every day. Get the big new bath size. Buy Life Boy right away. Now, back to Big Town and tonight's dramatic story of the deadly summons. Accepting a strange invitation to witness a summons of death, Steve and Lorelei arrive at the townhouse of a well-known actress who has died after a mysterious fall. And the door is opened by her son, an intense young man whose mind is tormented by the conviction that his mother was murdered. Good evening, Miss Kilburn. I see you've brought your friend. Yes, Mr. Blake. My boss, Steve Wilson, editor of the press. Come in, come in, Mr. Wilson. I've read of you in connection with the smashing of some rackets. Yes, I've been able to help the police break up a few. Good. You'll feel quite at home in this house of hate. And the hounds of jealousy strain at the leash. Uh, Mr. Blake, could you give us the facts in plain English? Yes, where is your stepfather? Upstairs, in my mother's music room. Chained in his chair by his own folly. Dreaming of tomorrow when he'll have me put away in a place of the living dead. As surely as my mother died upon those stairs. 
and awaits retribution to strike her slayer down. Now, wait a minute, Blake. Don't let your poetic fancy run away with your common sense. How could your stepfather be responsible for your mother's fall down those stairs if he's paralyzed and can't move out of his chair? I do not know. But I know he did. And I shall prove it. Surely you're not suggesting that doctors are wrong, that he isn't paralyzed. No. He cannot walk. He cannot move out of that chair without help. Nor can he move the chair. But by some devil's device, he made my mother die. Why should he want your mother to die? Jealousy of her fame. Envy of her fortune. Bitterness over his failure as an actor and a man. Why didn't you mention these things to the police before your mother's funeral? There is no proof of actual guilt. They would have doubted my sanity as you are doubting it. I would have been put away as I will be committed tomorrow if I cannot serve the summons of death tonight. Now, hold on a minute, Blake. Whether you're right or wrong, sane or temporarily unbalanced by the shock of your mother's death, you can't take the law into your own hands. And we haven't come here to act as witnesses to a murder. It will not be murder, Miss Kilburn. The sword of vengeance is not in my hands. It is in his. Go see Gregory Kane. Question him. I will join you in a few minutes. Where are you going? To prepare a surprise, as young Hamlet did for his stepfather's undoing. To set the stage and let the play be the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of this king of evil. You'll find him in the music room at the head of the stairs. Steve, what sort of ghastly joke is this? It may not be a joke at all, Laurel. I think we'd better go upstairs and talk to Gregory Kane. Come on. Fantastic. Even these stairs are like a stage setting. Yes, except for the fact that an actress actually died on them only three days ago. Well, it could have been accidental. They're polished marble. Elizabeth Blake could have plunged head first. The medical examiner's report said her head was crushed and her neck broken. Yes, it could have been quite a fall from here. And this top step is worn, uneven, but... But I'm beginning not to believe it. Well, be careful of the power of suggestion, Laureline. Let's try to keep an open mind. That must be the door to the music room over there. Her back would have been to that doorway as she started down the stairs, Steve. Yes, but I think we can discount the conventional notion that Kane fooled the doctors, was actually able to walk, followed her, and pushed her down the stairs. But he might have rolled his wheelchair. Well, according to the police report, he wasn't in his wheelchair, Steve. And even young Blake said he couldn't get in and out of his armchair without help. All right, then there's no use speculating on that angle at the moment. Let's go in and talk to Kane before young Blake starts something we can't stop. Yes, coming. After you, Marla. Good evening, Mr. Kane. I'm Lorelai Kilburn, a reporter on the Illustrated Press. Yes, I know. And your companion is Steve Wilson. Please come in and close the door. Thanks, but uh, how did you know my name and the fact that we were coming here? This extension phone beside my chair keeps me well acquainted with the unbalanced activities of my unloving stepson. And I suppose you know he suspects you of murdering his mother. Oh, yes. And I would strongly advise you not to echo that suspicion in the columns of your newspaper, or I shall sue you for irresponsible slander, as great as the irresponsibility of poor Whittier. Do you believe he's insane? My dear young woman, consider the facts and judge for yourself. What is your version of the facts, Mr. Kane? My dear wife, Elizabeth Whittier's mother, suffered fainting spells. Three nights ago, she left this room, walked out that door to the head of the stairs. I saw her sway and fall to a death. She left the door open? Yes, and I could not move from this chair to help her. The servants were off for the evening as they are tonight. I phoned her doctor. 
He came and pronounced her dead, and her death an accident. And the medical examiner agreed? Yes, and examined me and confirmed my doctor's statement that I could not have moved from this chair to help or to harm her. I see. Good. So nothing more need be said, and I bid you good night. But, Mr. Kane, you know your stepson hates you. He believes that in some way you killed his mother and knows that you plan to have him committed to an asylum tomorrow. Yes, Miss Gilborn. Aren't you afraid of staying here alone in this house with him tonight? No. I'm quite safe. I ask no help, no sympathy, no quarter. And I will give none. You seem to be a very bitter man, Mr. Kane. Yes, Mr. Wilson, I am a bitter and a vengeful man. Would you mind telling me what put an end to your theatrical career? Put you in that chair? Helpless? I am not helpless. Any fool can walk. An ape can walk. It is the cold steel of the mind sharpened to razor's edge by adversity that is the measure of a man's power over other men and women. So you want power? I have power and wealth. And from this chair, I can pull the strings that makes fools dance like puppets. No! No more. No more. Good heavens, what's that? <laughs> that is Whittier, the young Hamlet, playing games. Whose voice was that, Mr. Kane? The voice of my late dear wife, Elizabeth, Whittier's mother. But how? Undoubtedly a recording of excerpts from some of her repertoire of plays. She did several on the radio. Are you quite sure? Yes. Or would your newsman's fancy have it her ghost out of her grave and then... Oh, infirm of purpose. Wait a minute, Kane. Give me the daggers. The sleeping and the dead are but his pictures. Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil. <laughs> What's so funny, The Mr. stupidity Kane. of that idiotic boy. Wasting your valuable time bringing you here to watch me turn pale at the sound of my dead wife's voice, perhaps even arise from my chair in horror and betray the fact that I can walk. <laughs> Confess my crime. <laughs> Don't you agree, Wilson? What do you think of this? Now, since you ask me, and while we're quoting, I could say, methinks you doth protest too much. Miss Kane? Surely you don't it think... It is now the very witching time of night. Wait a minute, Kane. When churchyards yawn, and hell itself breathes out contagion to this world. Now could I drink hot blood and do such business as the bitter day would quake to look on. Soft now. My mother. The fool. He even distorts Hamlet to suit his own purpose. What? purpose, Mr. Kane? To prove I knocked his mother down those stairs out there in the hall. Did you say knock down the stairs? First shove, knock. What's the difference? It might make a great deal of difference, but that's beside the point right now. What's the point of your staying here any longer? To keep that boy from doing something he'll regret for the rest of his life. Murder me? Perhaps. Nonsense. Why is it nonsense? The two of you are alone in this house? So what? The servants are away for the night. You know the boy hates you, believes you murdered his mother, and by your own admission you consider him unbalanced enough to be committed to an asylum? And I shall. Tomorrow. And I will probably subpoena you and Miss Kilburn to testify as to his crazy actions tonight. If you live that long. I have nothing to fear from that poetic young fool. I don't propose to be frightened to death by his spooky recitation of a lot of ancient literary hogwash. I was thinking of more modern, practical means of getting even with you, Mr. Kane. Such as? A club, a knife, or a gun. Let him try. Now hear this. Now hear Listen this. Listen to him now. He has a tape recorder in his room, probably attached to this radio. Yes, 
No, he is in the Navy? Yes, volunteered. It's a pity they didn't make a man of him. Hear this. Hear this. Craig, listen to me. What the... Listen to me, Craig. I found out the truth. The truth about what, my dear? How you were really injured and confined to that chair. How? Not defending me against slander, but in a drunken brawl over another woman in which you tried to kill another man with that heavy cane you always carry. It's a lie, Elizabeth. It's a lie. No. It's the truth. And I'm going to divorce you, Greg. I'll make a settlement that will keep you comfortably. But I want you. I want you to get out of this house. Listen, Wilson, Miss Kilburn, this whole thing is a fake. There never was such a quarrel. It never happened. Well, Steve, stop him. He's smashing the radio. It doesn't matter, Lorelei. Let him smash I'll smash his I'll smash him. I'll show him. I'll show him. I'll... Yes, Kane. A remarkable demonstration of blind, senseless fury. And it has shown us a great deal. Such as what, Wilson? That recording of your quarrel with your wife provides an excellent motive for murder. It never happened. It was fake. Was your voice faked, impersonated? No, taken from some scene I played. What play? What about that cane Elizabeth Blake mentioned? The one you used so effectively to smash yes. that radio. Let me have a look at that cane. Keep away from me. Keep away or I'll show you what I can do with it. There's a great deal, I imagine. It looks as if the head were loaded with lead. It is. More ways than one. Keep away from me. Yes. Keep away from me, Mr. Wilson, Miss Kilburn. He's really dangerous. What? No quotations now, you crazy young fool? No. I think they've served their purpose. And this tape recording of your last quarrel with my mother will provide the motive for the murder. Will you take it to the police, Mr. Wilson? Yes, gladly. Wait. Hand that here, Whit. Give it to me. Hand it here. What's to make me give it to you? Keep out of reach of that loaded cane, Blake. Don't move, any of you. I told you this cane is loaded in more ways than one. It's a one-shot gun. And the first to move gets that one shot. Steve, the tip of that cane is the hollow muzzle of a gun. Yes. So I see. So don't move, Wilson. And you wait. Toss that spool of tape recording on my lap. Toss it gently. Don't show it, or I'll use the one shot in this cane on you. Thus, Steve and Lorelei and young Blake are faced with a strange dilemma. And for the surprising and exciting payoff, we'll return to Big Town in just a moment. Life Boy Gets Skin Cleaner. Life Boy Gets Skin Cleaner. And the cleaner you get your skin, the surer you are of being fresh and attractive. So remember, Life Boy, with its purifying ingredient, Gets Skin Cleaner, stops B.O. as no other leading soap can. Here's what the doctors proved in 820 scientific tests. People took daily baths with different soaps. Doctors found that Life Boy does more than just remove the grime and perspiration you can see. Life Boy's purifying ingredient makes it more effective than any other leading soap that brings on B.O. Life Boy's milder, too. Safe even for baby's tender skin. And you'll like the way Life Boy, made with costly coconut oil, bursts into quick white lather, even in hard water. Life Boy gets skin cleaner. Life Boy gets skin cleaner. Keeps you fresh and attractive. 
protects you as no other leading soap can. Bathe with Life Boy every day. Get the big new bath size. Buy Life Boy right away. Now back to Big Town and to the music room of the townhouse of a murdered actress for the payoff in Steve Wilson's strange story of the deadly summons. Don't move, Miss Kilburn, Wilson. I've only one shot in this cane gun, but I promise it to the first one who moves toward my chair. Now toss that spool of tape recording on my lap, wit. You better give it to him, Blake. It's obvious he's quite desperate. Can't risk the police having proof of his motive for murdering your mother. Even with a motive, you have no proof I murdered Elizabeth. Stop calling my mother by that name. She's dead. You murdered her. You're trying to have me put away so you can have her money, this house, the power over other people you're always talking about. Yes. Now give me that tape recording. Give it to him, Blake. All right. But I'm not finished. Here. Ah, I think you are, Wit. Now back up. Step back while I destroy this fake evidence. Why bother to destroy it if it's faked? I'll not have the finger of suspicion turned on me by that moronic young upstart. You've created more suspicion by your actions, Mr. Kane. I've done nothing but protect myself. And when I've destroyed this tape... Wait! My dear stepfather, will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? Stop that fooling, you crazy fool! You better listen, Kane. I think your stepson is trying to tell you it's no use tearing up that tape recording. Why not? Because that isn't the tape recording I played through your radio a few minutes ago. So it's no use destroying it or using that cane gun on any of us. Why not? It's killed once. Killed once? How did it kill once? You didn't fire it at Elizabeth Blake? You know I didn't. There was no bullet wound. But you did use it. The cane. Your tongue slipped and you just admitted that much. You'll never prove it. Perhaps not. But shall I tell you how you did it with that cane? Prove it. Circumstantial evidence will prove it to the satisfaction of any judge and jury. How? I wasn't within 15 feet of her when she fell. Oh, but look at that radio you smashed with that murderous cane. What about it? The built-in aerial was torn out. It was used for some other purpose before you smashed the radio just now. You lie! Well, look at the loop at the end of the wire. It will fit that cane in your hand. The cane you hurled through that open door. Struck Elizabeth Blake and knocked her down the stairs to her death. You lie! No, you murdered Elizabeth Blake with that cane. You pulled it back to your chair with that aerial wire. Put the wire back in the radio and called the doctor. So that's how he did it. I'll kill him! I'll kill him! Keep away from him, Blake! That's all! You meddling fool! Give me that deadly weapon, Kane. Let go of it. Did he hit you, Blake? No, he just missed me, thanks to your grabbing his arm. You want me to help hold him? No, I don't think that will be necessary under the circumstances. Just take this cane while I see that he hasn't another gun on him or in that chair. Don't bother, Wilson. I underestimated you or I would have had another gun ready. No, Kane. You overestimated your own ability to commit the perfect crime. Or am I? Uh, yes, Steve. You want me to phone Inspector Callahan of Homicide? Yes, then Fletch on City Desk and byline yourself a story of a deadly summons. Signed, sealed, and delivered to one Gregory Kane. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight you've heard the dramatiz dramatization of an unusual crime from the front pages of the Big Town Illustrated Press. It was but one of the hundreds of so-called perfect crimes which failed. Not so much because of the brilliance of the police or of private investigators, 
but because all criminals are their own worst enemies and usually betray themselves. And that's especially true next week, when you'll hear the headline story of the chill of death. Yes, Lorelei, but uh, right now I see that Mickey, one of my cub reporters, is here with something on his mind. Uh, pardon me, Mr. Wilson. Yes, Mickey. Mr. Wilson, have you actually seen that report about Life Boy Health Soap? Indeed I have, Mickey. It's a remarkable document. It explains why the doctors know that a daily Life Boy bath does get skin cleaner. Does keep you fresh and attractive. Protects you when other soaps fail. And Mickey... Yes, Mr. Wilson? Here's the proof of the pudding. Life Boy is used in the homes of 40 million Americans. In tonight's dramatization, all names, times, and places are fictional. Big Town features Edward Pauley as Steve Wilson, Fran Collin as Lorelei Kilburn, and is written and produced by Jerry McGill. Friends, you can help make this Easter season a time of hope for crippled children by buying Easter seals. For Easter seals provide the special services these children need to learn to walk again, talk again, lead useful, active lives. Be generous when you buy your Easter seals this year. Lever Brothers Company has amazing news. New 1950 Rinso with sodium. It's here a year ahead of time. New 1950 Rinso has three times the whiter washing action of any other soap. The sensational new washing action of 1950 Rinso gets white clothes whiter than new, washable colors brighter than new, and keeps them whiter, brighter than any other soap. Rinso is so safe for clothes, so kind to hands. Get new 1950 Rinso at your dealers now. Be sure and be with us again next Tuesday at the same time when Lever Brothers Company will again present Big Town. This is your narrator, Dwight Weiss, bidding you... Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Big Town was a popular long-running radio drama series, which was later adapted to both film and television, and even a comic book published by DC Comics. Big Town is a story about Steve Wilson, managing editor of the crusading Illustrated Press and his pursuit of truth and justice. Lorelai Kilborn was a paper society editor and Wilson's investigative partner. Lorelai and Steve followed stories that touched on a range of issues in America, including juvenile delinquency, racism, drunk driving, and of course, murder and intrigue. The radio program aired from 1937 to 1952, written by Jerry McGill with theme music by Fran Gray. Edward G. Robinson had the lead role of Steve Wilson from 37 to 1942. Claire Trevor, then Ona Munson, and finally Fran Carlin played the role of the paper society editor, Lorelai Kilborn. Edward J. Pauley portrayed Steve Wilson from 43 until 1952, when Edward Greza was heard as, the, as Wilson in the final episodes. During the period in which Pauley starred, Big Town was rated number one among all of the reporter-type drama series on radio. It was also rated in the top 15 among all radio programs broadcast and had a listening audience rated between 10 and 20 million people. There were four movies made and, ran on, and it ran on television from 1950 to 1956. 
and the DC Comics run lasted over 50 issues from 1950 to 1958. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.